the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDio. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Maniple. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Universe comic podcast episode number 163. I'm back and I'm Dustin and with me as normal. This is Ed. And this is Stella. And we are back from our convergence break. Ed held down the fort with Josh Paul and Don. Props to those guys for dealing with convergence so that I didn't have to. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, we're back. Uh, I hope you missed us. I really do. Um, but, uh, we are going to be bringing you the DCU, that's you with a Y-O-U, books, but specifically the Batman books. Uh, we are going to be covering this episode, Batman and Detective Comics, with the new slate of books comes a new release schedule, and we're going to be shaking up a couple of different things when it comes to the format of the podcast. Uh, we're going to be specifically spending a little bit more time with the DC Spotlight, specifically TBU Spotlight, with all of the books that deal with the Batman Universe characters. We're spending a lot more time on that, so you guys get the bullet points of everything else that's happening in the DC slash Batman Universe. In addition to that, uh, we welcome listener feedback. Uh, I know Convergence was a little light on listener feedback. I feel like everybody took a break along with uh, myself and Stella with Convergence and you guys weren't really caring about Convergence that much, but we welcome listener feedback. We'll still be covering that as we go forward. Um, but uh, as always, let's start out with comic news. I want information and I'll get it any way I please. So over the past two weeks, I'll tell you, there really hasn't been a whole lot that's happened. Um, we have some DC all access videos and some other DC videos on the website for you to check out. Focus, mostly focusing on the variety of new titles and new directions and focus points for the DCU uh, marketing campaign that they have been promoting since the end of April. Um, so you can check out those videos. There's nothing really to discuss. There's not a whole lot of news. The one video that did have a mention, there was an episode that dealt with uh, or not dealt, but interviewed Dan Dio talking about the new direction of the books and something that he said at the very end of the interview was kind of interesting where you could tell that number one, he was doing the interview in advance. It wasn't like they just recorded it last week because he made a couple mentions regarding specific weeks and you could tell that he was probably recording this in April before the move, before he moved or whatever. And he made a comment. He's like, oh, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be the week, it'll be the day before the book's release. So clearly he, you know, they recorded in advance, but he did make a mention at the very end of the episode or at the end of the video about something big coming in October. There's a couple of different things that have been out there. There's, you know, some writers have been hinting at different, not hinting necessarily, but making mentions of characters popping up sometime in the near future. Dio himself said something could be happening in October. We know that normally, at least for the last four years, we've gotten stuff, we've gotten events that have happened in September. So the question that I present to the panel here is, do you think DC is going to do another month-long event to kind of throw it off? 
you know, similar to Future's End or Villains Month or Zero Month or whatever they want to, you know, all these different events that they've had? Or do you think that they're going to treat Convergence as it just happened as their break? Well, I think there's two distinct answers here, which is what do I think they'll do and what do I think they should do? Um, I, I would think with just having the two month break of convergence, uh, one of the things that we always like, complain, maybe too strong a word, but something we always point out is the fact that it, it really is distracting when you're in the middle of a story arc to have to take a month off. It was extra distracting with convergence to have to take two months off, but there was a big relaunch coming. So I guess I'll forgive them for it. That being said, I think that they probably will do something. Um, I hope that they try to tie it a little more into continuity. Maybe instead of having something that's totally divorced, we could have uh, an event that is maybe an ongoing event that kind of happens to everyone all at once. Um, but I, I do feel that you're probably going to get um, – again, I have no idea what it will be, but I'm pretty sure we're going to get something. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope that we don't have an event because I, I think it would be too soon. And it's funny because you talk about Convergence, of course, and I almost think that Eternal in itself was almost an event. And obviously that ran for a much longer time than Convergence did, but it was touted as being this huge thing. And then we had this ending. And so I think, you know, if we're going to have a break, they're going to have a break between Eternal number one, Eternal number two. I I feel like it'd almost be too much to be on their plates to have another month-long event. So I am hopeful that if, if they're going to do something, it's going to be closer to next summer rather than in this in this middle uh, space. So I'm going to say with hope that, no, there's not going to be another event and they <laughs> DC knows what they're doing now that they're over on the West Coast. I also don't think they're going to be doing something in September. My, my basis behind this is I feel like if they did something – to the extent of Villains Month, they're giving the current stories that, one, have only been around for three issues because everything that's happening this month is almost a fresh start or a, you know, new story arc or something where they're only giving them three issues to tell a story before they, before they are going to interrupt it with something. I don't feel like it would be the right time to do it. Honestly, now the thing is outside of, you know, the crazy covers, I, Villains, the, those event months, they haven't, you know, they do it as a marketing thing. They do it as a way to sell a bunch of copies. They have, you know, that's that's what they do. I don't feel like after Convergence, Convergence, the main series, was about the only title, was the only title in the last two months that was in the top ten for DC. Um, all of the other supporting books were not anywhere near the top ten. So, I mean, the thing is, it just makes no sense for them to do another large event like this so soon. Um, my thing is this thing that could be coming in October feels like another, not refresh, but another set of books. I feel like if you look at the timing of it, you've got, it'll be four months into this new group of books. Conveniently, the six issue miniseries like Batmite and Harley Quinn, Power Girl, there'll be four issues in. They only have two left, so why not try to get it on a rotation where they introduce a couple new miniseries during that time frame, or even go as far as introducing a couple new series, depending on the sales numbers and what how things go for this month. You know, some of these new books could have really, or these new these new things that they're doing. I'm not going to. I keep saying books, but I mean direction because there's books that, like specifically within the Batman universe that have been doing new directions for quite some time, but 
they're still doing it, and they're, but they're just doing it a little bit. They're just promoting it a little bit better this time around with Gotham Academy and Batgirl and Black Canary. But um, with with uh, some of these miniseries ending, I think it would be a perfect time for them to introduce a couple new miniseries. I'm really liking the idea that, and I said this before on a previous episode, that they are going back to the ability to do miniseries because it was so long that we've gone with no miniseries that had any relevance and sometimes there's these these characters really can't hold a book for longer than six issues and then we've seen that multiple times where books will get made and then they'll end before they hit even 10 12 issues um it just happened last year um so that being said I think that that's what the direction they're going to go. They're probably going to introduce a couple new series. We know that uh, Dark Knight 3 has been announced for October. It's at least scheduled, supposed to be coming out in October. We I've actually seen Brian Azzarello tweeting about the fact that he's been working with Frank Miller, and they've been having some good work sessions, is the way he put it at least. So, I mean, like, we know something's going to happen. I mean, if they get into this set where it's like every every four months they introduce a new little group of books, I mean, that's you know only three times a year they're doing it. That's not so bad. I mean, it's better. They're pretty much already doing something similar to that when they do, you know, the the spring break where they have a bunch of, you know, they introduce a new set of books and then they do it at right after September normally too. So by all means... I'm completely fine with it if they want to do that. And then, you know, every four months we get a new group of miniseries. There's not going to be that much overlap. So I think it could be really good. Um, the other thing, defending some of the stuff that could be happening come uh, October, is that we know that we don't know how many issues Snyder's telling his story in Batman. We don't know exactly how long this story is supposed to be. We were told by him, but we've been told by him before, that the stories, the, the stories that he's doing after Endgame were supposed to be shorter, not as long. And at least the hint at the very end of Batman number 41 leads us to believe that maybe he is on a fast track towards something. But that aside, until we get to the review, the, we, we, we know that he and Capullo are only, uh, they're only contracted through issue 50. Now, issue 50 actually isn't going to come out until, so, you know, sometime next year. So we don't have to sit there and think about where are they going. But one of the things that's a little bit more interesting is the team on Detective Comics. Uh, Francis Manipul and Brian Buccioletto. Uh, the, Francis Manipul was doing the art. And if you hadn't noticed, for whatever reason, when you opened up Detective Comics number 41, Manipul's not doing the art. Uh, they replaced him with Fernando Blanco. Uh, who did a lot of the work in Batman Eternal. Now, I don't know if there's a specific reason behind that. I mean, a lot of the really good part of Detective Comics was Manipul's art. Not complaining about Blanco's art. I still like his art. I liked it in Eternal, and he did a decent job, but it's not Manipul. Yeah. Um, now, I don't normally do this, but I just wanted to point out, there's a website out there called GothamSpoilers.com, and a guy named Fizz runs the site, and... He, every once in a while, deduces some information about changes coming to the bat line ahead of time. And one of the things he posted up a couple within the last couple of weeks was talking about this Detective Comics uh, switch up. And he has a couple of different points that he points out. Uh, the first one is Detective Comics number 41 
it was solicited with Francis Manipool, but now it's Fernando Blanco. Um, and 42 and 43 have also changed to Fernando Blanco, even though they were both solicited with Manipool doing the art as well. Uh, the second thing is, uh, Manipool posted to his Instagram a shot of Detective Comics with the caption, Curtain Call. Hmm. Uh, and then the last thing that he points out, he says that uh, if the creative team's final issue is in September, that would give the the team four issues to tell their their story. That means the new team would be coming back and or be coming onto the book in October. That's the same month Mystic U got pushed back to, which was another title that DC was going to release but didn't. Um, and that's also an, there's also another title called Dark Universe that they've been talking about as well. So there could be another wave of books, as we talked about. Um, and then DiDio obviously then went on to say that something that's coming in October as well. Um, now, Peter Tomasi is, is also, as we talked about in a previous episode, he's also working on two unannounced projects that uh, would be a, launching in October, as he actually said. Um, but who knows what actually has happened. I mean, we could get Batman Eternal as early as October mm-hmm. too. I mean, that could be one of these projects that Tomasi's working on, or it could be, he could be coming on to detective comics. I mean, there's a lot of different things going on. I just wanted to give props to Fizz over at GothamSpoilers.com because I, I, uh, saw the, I saw some of this stuff with detective comics, but he put together a lot more than I could have. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, damning. That's sad too. Butchlet and Manipul were doing a really good job on Detective. Um, and the art was really, really good. So that's, I, I hope that, uh, Fizz has got it wrong, but it doesn't sound like he does. Yeah. I don't think he does either. He, he did predict, uh, way back in the day, uh, January 2014, when, uh, John Lehman left Eternal, he predicted that it was Kyle Higgins coming onto the book before pretty much anybody else did and before it was announced. So he is a detective in his own right. So that being said, Something's happening in October. We don't know what it is, but I would keep your ears peeled. Come San Diego Comic Con, which is less than a month away at this point, because I'm pretty sure something's big's going to be announced, and it's probably going to be rolled out at San Diego, if not the week before. So now, do you think that they're going to do different continuities in books? Like now that they've reopened the door with that, with with convergence, do you think we could get like a a pre-New 52 Bat book could, could be any character, or or do you think that they're going to stick with the, the current continuity for the book? See, I think the thing is they're going to have to test it out somewhere, and we all know that the Batman universe is basically the litmus paper of the DC universe when it comes to testing things out. I mean, you look at pre-New 52, you look at the books that DC was releasing, and the Batman universe shuffled everything up with ending tons of series that had been running for you know, 15 plus years with Robin, Nightwing, Birds of Prey, ending these books, running Battle for the Cowl as an event, and then coming back and renumbering everything. And then, wait, what happens a little bit of time later? Suddenly they do the entire thing with the entire DC Universe line. Just last October, they launched these New Direction books with Gotham Academy and Batgirl, show the variety that they can have, but within the Batman Universe. And then what happens? Here we are, less than a year later, and the DC has done the thing across the entire DC universe where they've tried, they're trying out all kinds of different things. So we know that the Batman universe is the litmus paper. So I mean, it's very well possible that come October, it's entirely possible that they could do something like that within the Batman universe. The issue I feel that could hinder that is that unless they introduce new series 
which I'm not sure how many more bat books they can really. I mean, honestly, at this point, it's, it's a good point. Of, yeah. at least a quarter of the books that DC releases is Batman related or Batman characters. So th- th- there's a there's a small problem with I don't know how many more they can actually release, but outside of how many more, the other problem is I don't see them ending any books. I mean, Gotham by Midnight. I, f- I, I don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying Gotham by Midnight. But it's a different type of book, and some of the darker stuff that DC's done hasn't really been successful. So, I mean, that could be the one book out of the group that's currently being released that could potentially get canceled. But I feel like all the books that are starting new number ones this month, like uh, We Are Robin or Robin, Son of Batman or even Black Canary or Red Hood and Arsenal, I feel like those books have just got new number ones. I don't feel like... There, four months is really going to be enough time. Now, don't get me wrong. We've seen books canceled in four months, but I don't feel like preparing for it, they're going to run a book for only four issues and then cancel it before October. It's just too soon. So I don't know how many books they could get rid of outside of maybe Gotham by Midnight within the, D- within the Batman universe to actually open up space for more books without just releasing more. If they do release more, there was a comment that Dio said in that same interview on DC All Access where he talks about uh, one of the things that you know they've talked about is because of the end of Convergence, they can definitely tell stories from all these different continuities because all these continuities still exist. But they would have to figure out some way of numbering it so that, or not numbering it, but like making it obvious that this is not this continuity, it's a different one. Now, when he said that, I thought, okay, yeah, that makes sense because, I mean, like, hey, you could be somebody who only wants three pre-New 52 you know, pre-Flashpoint DC Universe. You could be someone who wants to read, you know, classic Silver Age stuff from pre-Crisis. I mean, you could... There's all kinds of different versions of the DC Universe that you might want to read. It's trying to figure out what could actually be successful. But the only way I feel that you can make it successful is by having at least, like, four books as part of one continuity. So you have four books coming out per month. Each book tells a story from a certain aspect of, of the universe... And, you know, it's all that same thing. Mm. You know, one title telling one story, then you have to figure out which character is the best character to tell. And you have to then tell a story set in that universe. But, I mean, I guess you could interact similar to, like, with the way we've seen Batman Beyond in the past, you know, have other heroes pop up or, you know, to a degree, Smallville Season 10, when that came out, you know, how they introduce other characters from that same universe, but they're not necessarily the main focus. They're just focus for a story arc or so. I guess you could do that, but I don't feel like that would really do a universe justice. Especially... So you're talking about a shared continuity of a non-continuity book. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's, it's... It's a little nuts. <laughs> it's a good idea, but yeah, it's just a mouthful, that's all. But, I mean, that I honestly don't feel like... Because how could you really sit there and say, oh, we're, here's the one book you can read if you want to read pre-crisis stuff. But that the people who want to read pre-crisis stuff isn't necessarily going to want to read that one character. They'd want to read a group of the characters because, or or a specific character. But that has to be that character. Maybe like an Earth Two book where you just they call have, it pre-crisis. I don't know. I mean, they have Earth Two Society, which I, I mean, it, it's its own book. And honestly, when you look at it, Earth Two Earth Two pre New Fifty Two or. Uh, Pre-convergence, Earth Two, World's End, <laughs> and Earth Two. It's oh my gosh! Yeah, no, it's getting nuts. Go if ahead. you look at Earth Two and Earth Two, World's End, World's End was a weekly, and it tied in with the events that was 
occurring in Earth 2. So, I mean, within those two titles, you had five books coming out per month on average. So, I mean, you could tell a story within that universe. I mean, you could do that. I guess maybe that's, maybe that'll be the direction they go. Like, do something where they start doing a bunch of weekly series instead of doing a lot of monthly books. I don't know. But I think something like that, like if you do, if you did something where it was a weekly, you could do a continuity and just have it one book. Yeah, no, I think it'd be easy to do like a pre new 52 post, post flashpoint, post convergence, pre crisis book like that. Yeah. 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 yeah sure. Why not? <laughs> but anyway, so that's, that's the news. There's not a whole lot of news because most of the, most of the time June and just, June, late June, early July normally is kind of like a weak time for news just because everything happens right before Comic-Con or right at Comic-Con. Um, Comic-Con happens to be at the beginning of July this month, so I would assume probably not by the next episode, but the episode that we do, you know, for Comic-Con is going to be a ton, a ton of news, um, because I feel like they're going to do this. They're going to be announcing some of this stuff. I mean, we, we still obviously have solicitations that are going to be announced for September, uh, before the end of this month, but I feel like it's just going to be a, a normal set of books and then July will roll around and then we'll be basically fast forward to October. They'll be releasing solicitations or at least bullet points about all of the new books before actually the books get announced. You know, I, I do have to say I'm glad that they're going this direction because I, I felt like the first year I went to Comic-Con, it was like that. But then the past couple times, it just seemed like San Diego specifically was just almost obsolete. I mean, all their news was dropping before, and then the panels, it was just restating the news that had already come out. And you think to yourself, why am I at this particular panel You know, when, when there's nothing new or exciting coming out and, you know, we're just seeing the same old, same old. So I think while it may be overwhelming getting all this information, I think that's what makes conventions really exciting, specifically those panels when you go in there and you're wondering what's up, what's, what big thing is coming down the pike. So I am glad as a person who attends uh, that they're waiting and, and I think that should be good. Yeah, and I and I agree. I mean, like honestly, when you go to some of the DC comic panels at conventions, unless you don't read the news sites, unless you don't, you know, keep up with any of the writers on Twitter, you don't you, you already know all of the stuff that they're talking yeah. about. Most of the time they spend 15 minutes talking about the new group of books that are coming out that they announced 3 months ago. And it, it you know, it's you're it almost feels like you're wasting your time. Because you're not actually learning anything. I feel like most of the time when you go to the panels, comic panels specifically, you find out more news bits during the Q&A session than you do anything else. Oh, because, more new news. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. that's when all of a sudden, you know, you start Someone getting like, they, they say something they shouldn't or you start seeing people give each other the evil eye because they said <laughs> something they shouldn't and, or, oh wait, we can't talk about that. You know, that's the type, that's the type of stuff that, you actually get new news. It's, but most of the time, like Stella said, it's just rehashing stuff that had already been announced mm-hmm. because I feel like they're catering to this crowd that they feel doesn't pay attention to the news online, which is not true because I don't feel, I mean, like even DC has their own blog that posts stuff that's designed specifically for fans. So I doubt that they feel internally that the people going to the conventions and standing in the ginormous lines to get into a panel are really not paying attention to what's going on in the DC universe as far as news goes. So here's hoping, as Stella said, that uh, we do get a bunch of news. Mm -hmm. It'll be a busy week. All right. 
So with that, we're going to get into our comic book reviews. We're going to do Batman number 41 first. So let's do that. Batman number 41, Super Heavy Part 1, writer Scott Snyder, artist Greg Capullo. Uh, this issue opens up with a man sitting on a bench overlooking the bay, and then we cut to Robo-Bats with the assistance of Julia Pennyworth and a Powers Corp uh, bat blimp, providing aerial support, helping the Gotham City Police Department take down a uh, electro-monster. Uh, we then flash back in time three months ago, and we see Ms. Powers is showing Jim Gordon all the best and brightest of the GCPD who are competing to become the new Batman. She tells him that he is the right man to be the new Batman, but he declines. Uh, we then flash forward to the fight again, and we learn that something is controlling the Electro monster. Uh, back to the past, we see Bullock and Gordon talking on the rooftop, where he tells him that he is... Uh, uh, <laughs> we tell him that he needs to quit smoking, and he's going to need to get LASIK if he has any plans on becoming Batman. Uh, back in the fight, Julia helps him figure out that uh, Dodor Valerne, a member of the Cuban gang, The Whispers, is the one controlling the Electro Monster and is using it as a distraction for a robbery. Robbery. He also has a hostage. Back to the past, and Jim is introduced to Julia, who has shown the fact that the bat suit can change colors, and we can see it a variety of different color things, most of them from different areas of Batman's past. Um, as we see the hostage get threatened, um, and the fact that the, the, the ones, the, the, uh, sorry, as Dota threatens the hostage, we see the fact that one little mini battering comes in and hits him in the chest and the, the, the guy falls unconscious uh, next to the hostage. We then see a reveal of a much more traditional looking Batman, uh, no cape, very much a Batman Beyond look, um, and frees the hostage before him making its way back to the, uh, robo bat suit. Uh, we then go back in time to see Jim a, a few months later who is, is getting in shape. But he also has a new haircut and shaved his mustache and is staying in the apartment in the Powers facility that is now his cave. He wonders exactly what he has done. Uh, we then see the man pass the figure on the bench and stops to ask the man, Hey, are you Bruce Wayne? Next time, Gotham crumbles. First question, uh, and I guess this is the most obvious question that we have to ask is that we, after a lot of discussion about it, we finally get to see Jim Gordon as Batman. What do you think about this first outing of Gordon as Batman? And do you like the suit better now that we've seen it's, uh, you know, the robo suit looks to be more of a transportation device? Well, here's the thing that I guess, well, I, I guess we have to question, the first thing I have to question related to your question, if that makes sense, <laughs> is, is this actually Jim Gordon's first time out? I, I don't know if it is, because I mean, like, I feel like at least from the virgins number one, when he gets into the suit for the first time or whatever, and he's saying, oh, this is a bad idea, and Powers is sitting there saying, don't worry, blah, 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 and he says, well, where's my Batmobile, and whatever, and now he's got a blimp. I don't, I'm wondering if this is a direct, you know, straight cut to, you know, that. Because the one thing I, I, I guess I find slightly odd is we're not introduced to any of these other characters in that preview from Divergence, but I, I guess you don't really, we don't really have to be introduced to them. But at the same time, I, I don't know. Like, I wonder if this is, really is his first time out because it doesn't seem like it, at least to me. I mean, like, he had to at least, how did he learn everything there is to learn about the suit if this is his first time out? But whatever. Yeah, I think it's, it's the first time we've seen him out, certainly, though. Yes, that's true. I mean, okay. Yes, that is, that part is true. It's the first time we've seen him out. So, I mean, like, it, is it his first time out? Probably not. Is it the first time we're sh- being shown him out? Yes. 
Um, so that, it, it, from that perspective, I think, you know, like I, I'll be the first to admit, I was hesitant about this. I wasn't sure which direction they were going. The idea of this, you know, guy who is a chain smoker, wears glasses, sometimes is drawn as he's pretty old. Mm-hmm. Although I don't, I can't remember. Is it this issue or 47. Detective Comics? Yeah, 47 years old. Yeah, or 46, I thought it was. Yeah, 46. Mid yeah. 46, yeah. Yeah. But it they, was they point out that he actually is 46, which mm-hmm. kind of makes me wonder about, anyway. I but he looks know. like he's 60, <laughs> you know, according yeah, to I Bullock. Mean, yeah, so Bullock says, you know, he looks like he's 64 mm-hmm. or whatever. So, I mean, like, I'm just sitting there, I'm thinking to myself, you know, is this possible, I guess. I mean, like, the the reasoning behind it, you know, Powers making the comment about, you know, we have the best and brightest, but the reality is they don't know Gotham like you know Gotham. The 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 explanation behind it, the reasoning, it actually does make sense. I'll, I'll give them that. I mean, at least the way they set it up, it makes sense to the way where Gordon probably is the best person for this, especially if they're going to be working hand-in-hand with the police. Um, in a way, I guess I'm... The one thing that I guess I'm kind of miffed about is the fact that we never really understood why he wasn't reinstated as commissioner after Eternal and why in Endgame he was just sitting in an apartment and had nothing, you know, wasn't involved with anything going on with the police. I mean, I get that he was arrested, but he was exonerated. So my thing is, I mean, and I know the mayor said the thing about, well, it's in the public's eye, it's this, but I mean, I, and I understand that the public doesn't know who's in this new bat suit, but if it was revealed who's in the bat suit, wouldn't they have just as much of a problem with him in the bat suit as they would have with him being commissioner again? But I know I'm getting completely off the topic. I thought first time out, first time we've seen him out, it was, it was better than I expected. Um, I do want to address, you know, why isn't he commissioner? And I think even though someone is exonerated, I think there's still that sort of smear or smudge on their jacket. Um, even if it's, you know, completely cleared, people I think still have sort of a negative perspective of you like, oh, he was in doubt at some point. So I think from a public relations aspect, it makes sense that right now he's been somewhat pushed to the side and the role that Maggie had in Eternal, which I'm glad that Maggie was able to be put in this position because she was really a strong character in Eternal and was keeping to the right, whereas all this other stuff is, is going haywire. So I'm glad she has that. But I think PR-wise, I, I think I, it makes And I sense. agree completely. I agree completely with that. I just feel like it wasn't explained. Yeah. Like they never even showed a page with, with him like going to the GCPD or him having a discussion with Sawyer or anything. Like It's mm-hmm. just basically like, you're a bum who sits at home now, and now you're a bum who is going to be in a bat suit. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. we kind of cover some of that in Endgame because in Endgame he had, it was after Eternal and he wasn't the commissioner either, right? But I but it was it was they didn't really introduce him until halfway through Endgame, true? Because in Eternal they hadn't revealed that he got out of prison yet. Once they revealed that he got out of prison, then he showed up in Endgame, and then it was you know he was helping out Batman, which was great. The last page of. Uh, Eternal was him standing tall on the side of the building with Batman and saying, let's get to work. What were they getting to work on if he wasn't working for the police anymore? They never really delved into that. That was my concern. Well, they're making gingerbread houses together. (laughs) Yes. Everybody wants a good gingerbread house. Uh, Regarding your actual question, his first time out, and I, I think there is probably some space between what we saw with 
it's called Divergence, right? Our, our, uh, free Divergence, comic book yeah, day. Divergence. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then this, I, I'm sure he took it out with field testing and everything, but, and I'm sure there were focus groups saying it was very political. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, people were checking it out and saying, yes, they like this color. No, they don't. But I think this may be, I mean, just given how, he messes up and I like that. I think that's an endearing quality for me when I'm looking, watching heroes on screen or in here, the first time they go out, if they can get stuff done correctly the first time, I feel like that's a little unbelievable because I really think that heroes, when they're starting out, it's not like they were born to be one. So they go out there and they know everything and they're perfect. They really have to grow and he has to take his experience as a cop. And with this new tech suit, however many times he may have been working with it, once you're put into a real life situation with bad guy and and haywire things uh you know it's gonna it's gonna throw you for a loop so i like that he was sort of tossed around he doesn't get out of the way when i'm like why there's a tractor trailer coming from you how do you not see that so i am actually glad that that he messes up and the suit itself ed you said you know it's more of like a uh what <laughs> you called the suit. You called the suit more. Oh, the the, the the bat suit, the robot exactly. bat suit, almost seems like a mode of transportation now. Yes, but and, and I would almost agree because that's that's an interesting uh, thought about that. Now I have to say his actual, if we call it like the Batman suit, the one that he steps out of, or he's covered in black. I love that design. That suit design, it's just so simple, being all black. With the the yellow symbol on his chest, I love it, and the, and the fact that his uh, his belt is like slung, sort of like a, a westerner rather than you know Batman. I feel like that. It, I feel like his robo suit is the actual suit, just because he doesn't really do much in his other bat suit except for zap the other guy, and I think that goes along the lines of he is older and he's not as physically capable. So if he can get out and do some damage in this, you know, street in the street clothes, we'll call them, it's only going to be if there's minimal chance of him actually having to engage in hand-to-hand combat. But I think in all other cases and all other aspects, he's going to be in that suit. So it may get him around, but I think because he's not the best fighter, he's going to stay in that suit unless the occasion calls for it. But I absolutely love, and it's funny because we were making fun of the bunny ears, and they they talk about that in the actual comic. So I don't know if Snyder rewrote in order to... I feel like they did. Yeah. I feel, I, because like it's referred to as the Robo-Bat Bunny. Yes! So I, and it's a different- you know, that's yeah. great. As a writer who can kind of take that and roll with it and, and not be bristled, I, I think that's great. But I absolutely love his his Batman street clothes, as I'll call them. I think it's an awesome design. You know, one thing I got to point out, though, I got to say, you know, I, when it comes to that suit, I'm wondering the capabilities of the suit. Like, they showed some of the things with, the, like, you could camouflage and they could change the, the color scheme on the suit. And they've shown some of the things that the suit can do. But there's a huge glaring issue with the suit other than the, and its mobility i mean like the thing is he as he points out himself the reason he gets out of the suit which by the way the suit reminds me of if anybody plays uh call of duty advanced warfare it reminds me of a goliath suit for anybody who knows what i'm talking about out there where the suit basically just opens up and you get inside and then it surrounds you um but the the suit it can't, it's too big to fit into buildings because he says he, you know, he had to get out of the suit to get into that building where that guy was. The suit 
plunges towards the ground, not flies, doesn't have a jet pack or anything like that. So, like, how does the suit move around? It's not like a grappling hook is going to shoot out and be able to, you know, he's not going to be able to swing from building to building. He basically can walk on the ground and drop from the sky. But he's still got to get back up to that blimp or he's just going to have to, I don't know, like, there's a, there's the mobility aspect of it makes a very less sense. I mean, I get that it's a, you know, it's a basically an outer suit for him to be working in and he can fight in and it's like an armor suit. But when it comes to the actual mobility of it, I feel like it's a little hindering. I think this is good for Gordon's first time out. And I kind of agree with Dustin. I was not sold on this before it started. I was um, open-minded, but I wasn't sure where it was going to go. Um, I, I like the way this, this came out. I, I like the way we see it. Uh, Gordon seems to be both, you know, experienced like he would be, but inexperienced at fighting in this style. Um, the scene with Bullock is, is, is fun. So no, I, I think this is a good, I don't know if this is Gordon's first time in this, probably not the first time in the suit. He may have done some training, but this is the first time we're presented with him. Um, and I do think it's, it's, it's interesting to see him out there. I do agree with Stella too. I love the, this Batman street clothes in it because I don't think that anybody wanted to see the, the mech suit the entire time. So I do like the fact we have this alternative mode, um, much more slimmer type of traditional bat suit. So I'm really glad we got that because I think that if we had the uh, robo suit the entire time, it could have get overwhelming. The other thing is the only member of any type of reoccurring bat cast that we see here is Julia Pen- Pennyworth, who is now apparently working for the Powers Corporation. Just your and thoughts just on. Perry. Yes. She's not using her full name either. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do we think Julia is doing here? Do we think that she is just on board because she wants to be close to help with the Batman program? Or do we all kind of agree that this is some kind of spy mission for Alfred slash Bruce slash somebody else. I wouldn't go as far as to say it's for Bruce because I still feel like I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I'm sure I, I'm, next? I still, <laughs> I still feel like the, you know, everybody as part of the bat family is under the assumption that he's dead. I mean, like they've played it out in a, in a variety of different books that they all believe that he's dead. So the thing is to me, I, I do feel like she's a plant. I really do. I mean, but I feel like it because Lucius Fox is name dropped and she was recommended by Lucius Fox. It might be a plant on that aspect. Also possibly Alfred. I don't know that the problem is I don't know what direction they're going with Alfred because what we've, what we've seen of Alfred, you know, from the time that Bruce died is him grieving him, you know, him being in that grieving mode. So, I mean, there, there entirely could be a flashback and them, you know, Lucius, Alfred and, and, uh, Julia all get together and they plan this thing out because they feel like the powers corporation is trying to do something a little bit, not so, you know, on the side of good, I guess. But at the same point, like it just comes across as I feel like she's a plant. I mean, there's no reason she would be there if she wasn't a plant the question is who's she a plant for? And I feel like at this point it just has to be somebody we know like Lucius Fox or Alfred. So that's my theory on that. But at the same time, I, I think it's also interesting that they make a point to say that powers, uh, you know, the powers corporation absorbed anything that was left from Wayne enterprises. I think that's interesting because that's almost like foreshadowing what happens in Batman beyond because that it's, you know, 
uh, Wayne Powers or Powers Wayne or whatever the heck the company's called in that Beyond Universe, that's what it is. So I think it's interesting that they're going that route, but I still feel no matter what happens, I still feel the Powers Corporation is is a little shady. You know, it's funny, Ed, when I was reading this and, and she popped up, I thought about you because I remember mm-hmm. when we were talking about Julia and the bat suit. I, I'm not sure if it was for divergence or not. The question was laid out, you know, what is Julia going to do next with this bat suit? And you said something like, well, she kind of has to get involved somehow. And so he thought later down the pike, she would, she would pop up. And, and I thought it was just funny that, well, she pops up right now. Quickly. Uh, yeah. So we didn't have to worry about that. You know, to be honest, I feel like. Alfred's character uh, probably couldn't give a lick uh, about this. I, I feel like where we left him psychologically and emotionally, uh, you know, not wanting, not even considering other people that may need to be healed in the Batman family and just be done with it. I think he's washed his hands of all sorts of Batman uh, items, anything dealing with him. And because he, he was very stubborn, I think, and, and I called him childish in, in Batman 40, I guess it was. So I don't think if she's taking orders from anyone, I don't think it's him. I think I don't know what he's doing right now. But I don't think he's doing anything productive. I could see her honestly being here on her own because she seems like the type of person who when you have her allegiance and her trust, she's not going to let that go. And it took a while to get there. But I think then she really started to believe in the Batman mission. And I think if I were to put myself in Julia's shoes, I think anyone – or any program coming around that is going to take on the title of Batman, I would be instantly distrustful of it. And I would want to be a part of it to see where is this going and to also be sure that his actual name is not besmirched. So I almost feel like it's of her own volition that she sort of sneaked her way in there. But I think that since Lucius Fox was in fact name dropped, she had to have some connections with that. So perhaps they're on the same page. But I, I, I don't think it's too far to say that. She's not under anyone's control, but she's doing this for herself. But I do think that um, she may be uh, mistrustful of the people that are are working. Yeah, especially since the fact that when she first got brought into an Eternal, she was initially distrustful even Bruce and and her father, Alfred. So I think think that's her nature. I I think that that's Mm -hmm. very much the key of it here. I think this is – I think she probably got Lucius to drop a good word to get her in there. And I think that since Snyder loves to tell nonlinear stories, we always get a lot of flashbacks. So we'll probably might work this with her backwards. Like we see her here and then the next couple issues, we may see how she got there. Um, I think that would make sense with the way we know Snyder likes to tell his stories, you know? Um, so I think we should, we'll, we'll see more of her coming down the road. Um, but I, I, I'm glad she's here because I'm glad there's some connection to the books before. Um, I didn't want this to be a completely clean slate, and Julia makes the most sense. It would be very difficult to make Alfred shoehorn into this. You know, when, where would he? How could he possibly be involved in this? Um, so I think this is the only choice that works for right now. I do hope we get the other characters back um, down the line. And then my last point is: there's a guy on the bench, supposedly Bruce Wayne. What do we think about that? Well, I will say that if it is Bruce Wayne, I mean, like it's hard to know. I'm I'm going off of this timeline of from the end of Endgame to what was mentioned in in, uh, Divergence to here, I feel like there's only been about three months that has passed since the end of Endgame. Um, I believe it was Divergence number one that made the mention about what 
the uh it's only been three months or whatever and you know the the city was feeling the effects of Batman being dead. Uh I feel like if three months have gone by, I mean it's entirely possible for Bruce to grow a full beard as we see in that last panel. Uh, you don't see it full on, but you can tell that he's got a full beard going on. It's hard to say because I feel like in one way, it's basically Snyder letting everybody know, listen, I didn't really kill him. He's still here. And the thing was, there was, uh, there was some people who believed in that divergence and also at the very end of the last issue of Batman number 40, where there was a boy walking with a jacket and the red and the Robin symbol on the jacket and there was a man and he was all bandaged up. There were some people who believed that that was Bruce Wayne with Damien, and there were some people who didn't. And Snyder himself said in an interview, no, that is not Bruce Wayne. That is just somebody, and the Robin symbol is there as a kind of, uh, you know, throw to the upcoming We Are Robin series. Mm. That's what he said. Then Publicity? Is, what? I said Publicity. Yes, publicity. I, I thought she said so. felicity. <laughs> sorry. What's that got to do with anything? Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So that's what he said. Then the same exact panel was in Divergence number one, which brought in that whole discussion again. Uh, I believe uh, Josh Paul made a mention about it on the comic cast when, when you guys were talking about those issues. And the thing is, that is one of those things where I don't know why he said that if it wasn't supposed to be Bruce Wayne. Because then suddenly there was an interview that was just, that just released over the last two weeks where Capullo and Snyder were talking about the upcoming 41. And I believe it was with Newsrama. Newsrama asked them point blank, is that Bruce Wayne in that panel? And Snyder just beat around the bush and said, uh, I don't really want to get into whether or not that's Bruce Wayne. And Capullo said, well, if it's Bruce, if you want it to be Bruce Wayne, it can be Bruce Wayne, but it doesn't necessarily have to be Bruce Wayne. What does that mean? Exactly. They're just basically turning it from it's not him to, well, there's some people out there who think it is, so maybe we should just run with that. And that's that. So whether or not you believed it was or you believed it wasn't, according to Snyder, he doesn't want to talk about it. So we'll just leave it at that for now. But then we get this guy sitting on a bench in the first panel, and then we get a guy sitting on the bench in the last panel, the same guy sitting on a bench in the last panel, being recognized by somebody as Bruce Wayne. So I don't know. I mean, like, if it is Bruce Wayne, why is he just sitting on a bench? Why is he just letting everything happen? Okay, I mean, if he's letting it all go, I mean, I've saw some people online say stuff about, you know, well, maybe he's just enjoying the sunset because he can, because he doesn't have to worry about anything, because Jim Gordon and the Powers Corporation have everything under control, and it's like, is that really the personality you think Bruce would have? Like, he's not going to, you know... He's going to let everybody believe he's still dead just so that he can enjoy a sunset. I'm sorry. That's not Bruce Wayne. Maybe it's, maybe it is Bruce Wayne and maybe like part of what happened when he was down, you know, when he supposedly died was that he lost his memory and he doesn't know who he is. Maybe that's what it is. And like somebody found him and patched him up, but he's just Joe Schmo now. I mean, that's entirely that, that could be a direction they're going to. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to say because. You know, who knows what Snyder's actually doing, but I feel like whatever he's doing, this is going to be a shorter story arc because the fact that they throw that out right away in the first issue is either means we want everybody to know that he's not dead or this story isn't going to last nearly as long as, as you're thinking it will, 
which is odd because this is one of the first stories that actually that Snyder's doing that across most of the Bat books is being completely dealt with. Embraced. Even yeah. Batman, Superman, Detective Comics, Batgirl, all of these other books are directly going along with what is happening in this book. So it's odd that they would do that so soon, but who knows? I mean, like, I, I just, I don't know what the, I don't know what their end game is when it comes to how long this is. I, I, I still haven't seen anyone anywhere where it says how long this story arc is supposed to be, which I find odd because normally we always know that it's going to be eight, 12 issues or whatever. So it's difficult to say. I mean, maybe this is only four months. We're only going to get four months of this and then it's going to go back to, you know, Batman's going to come back. Seems a little weird. I mean, other than maybe like, like, uh, you know, it could just be a publicity stunt where they wanted new directions with other books. They said, sure, we'll let Jim Gordon be in this bat suit for six four months. months, you know, or, you know, six months, four months, whatever, because they wanted a bunch of different things, a lot of really big changes happening to the main group of books that DC releases. I mean, maybe that's why they went along with it. I don't know. Okay. End game. I see what you did there, Dustin. Because <laughs> I don't know. I did it on purpose. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like four months for me, even though, you know, I love Bruce Wayne as Batman, is not enough. I, I think if you're going to do this big thing and have this this big change, you know, Jim Gordon being Batman, Bruce potentially being dead or at least gone for whatever reason, I think you need to have a more significant amount of time for it to be worth our time, for it to to be impactful. I mean, if you think of storylines in the past where we had – Bruce Wayne was dead, quote unquote. You know, he was away uh, after Final Crisis. Then you, of course, have Death of Superman. And those lasted for a little while. So I think, you know, why not look through these story potentials and see what is uh, Jim Gordon going to be like as a potential Batman? What is Wayne Powers up to? Those sorts of things. So I hope that it's longer than four months and then, you know, an appropriate length of time. As for who this person is, I love that. Uh, Snyder's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure situation where, hey, man, it's all up to interpretation. You just, what does it mean? It's like almost like a modernist novel where we're looking at this. I would love, I think that'd be very interesting that he has amnesia. He may still be Bruce Wayne, but he doesn't realize that he's Bruce Wayne. Is it at all possible that it is um, Tommy Elliott? Is that possible Hmm. at all? Uh... I don't I mean, think so escape. because they didn't, they didn't, but they didn't reveal that he was, that his face was looking like Bruce Wayne. Okay. I mean, like, if you go pre-New 52, obviously, yes, right. it yeah. could be, but they never revealed that his face looks like Bruce Wayne underneath those bandages mm-hmm. within this area. Yeah. I, I'll just put that one out there as a, as potential that it's someone who looks like Bruce Wayne. Like this is just another way to throw us off, off the trail and make us hope that it's Bruce Wayne, but it's really not. I will make one reference, but this one actually doesn't approve of if, is from Mad Men, which I started watching mm. yesterday, where a guy comes across Don Draper on the uh, train and he's like, Dick? Dick Whitman? And of course, I have no idea what that means, but this just, <laughs> this just reminds me of, uh, of that because, you know, he's looking, he's like, Bruce? Bruce Wayne? But I'm, I'm thinking it's, it's someone that looks like him. I'm just going to put out Tommy Elliott, um, just to shake things up. I think that it's fairly obvious that the guy sitting on the bench is either Lincoln March or Clayface. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, it would be kind of, crappy to have him killed and then 
brought back in the next issue. I know there was a month off because of Convergence, but this is the next Batman issue. Uh, I'm hoping we'll avoid that. I am almost ready to accept anything. Uh, insert here for that not being Bruce Wayne. It did seem too quick. It just seemed like I mean, we just did four, we just did the death of Batman and now he's back. It's got to have some uh, space in it, especially since the whole month, every other comic dealt with pretty much the, but, the death of Bruce Wayne. But when you think about it though, think about the, uh, Snyder's past stories. He always does this thing in like the first page always like, not, I shouldn't say always, but, some of his stories that he's written, the first page hints at something that is like towards the end. Oh, sure. You don't have, you have no idea what the heck it is. No clue what it is. So I feel like almost that maybe this is that. Like we're going to get issue 42 and we're still not going to have any idea what, who the person on the bench is, if it is Bruce Wayne or if it's somebody else. Well, we're not going to have any idea. Especially with the solicitations. Because if you look at them, 42 is the most generic solicitation yeah. in the world, which is interesting stuff is going to happen, basically. But if you look at the solicitation for 43, it says, in the start of a new epic, a new epic starts in 43, so we only have two of these standalone issues, and the start of a new epic, a new villain stocks Gotham City. So it looks like 43 is going to be the start of, of the next arc, and these two issues are just filler. If that's true, and 43 is only seven issues from 50, I would imagine a six-issue storyline, and then a one-issue whatever for 50. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably where we're going to go with this. Um, so, I, I don't know. I hope it's not Bruce. I agree with you, though, that, that Snyder loves to set stuff up. That's why I kind of was talking about Julia the way we were, which was, we'll find out how she got at powers. He always does this. How many times have we done this? We get into a new Snyder story, and we instantly read the first issue, and we say, these are five things he skipped. And by the end of it, it's always, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, he, he does it all the time. You're like, what happened about this? He didn't tell us about this. But by the end of the story, he's always wrapped it up. Um, so I think that's what, I think we'll find out why she is there. We'll find out where Alfred is. Um, I think we have enough credibility with his past stories to get that. But I think that with the fact that 43 is supposed to be the start of the next epic, um, I have a feeling that these next two issues are just introductory issues before we get there. All right. So Batman number 41, the one thing I just want to add very quickly, as far as the art goes, typical great couple, except for one thing. Mm-hmm. Maggie Sawyer. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what it was, but she was drawn, like, until they said her name in the next panel, I looked at it and thought, oh, it's a man. And then the next <gasps> panel it was, this is Maggie Sawyer. I'm not kidding. Look at Maggie Sawyer, drawn by Capullo. For whatever reason, her hair is, is cut like a man's, and she's drawn as if she's a, a frail Jim Gordon, in my opinion. I think, do you think the reason is because the design of the, the CEO of Wayne, well, of Powers is like, looks like Maggie Sawyer? Eh, so they I tried mean, to. I mean, I mean, that could be entirely possible, but when we get into, over into detective comics, <laughs> she doesn't look like, I mean, they don't show, I don't, I don't, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think we see Powers at all in the pages of detective comics, but we see Maggie Sawyer. She just looks like a, a normal girl, you know, with hair, like a normal haircut on a girl, not, you know, a shaved, shaved on the sides haircut like we see in that. I, I don't know. It just, to me, Maggie Sawyer looked like a man. I don't know. I, I'm hoping that's not because, you know, because she's a lesbian, Capullo decided to draw her like that. I really hope that's not the case. Um, because that's not how she's been portrayed in any other book. No. I mean, there's plenty of other books out there that have, that Maggie Sawyer has appeared in since even the New 52 started. So I would hope that that's not the reason, but it just feels like it's such a drastic difference from just 
a normal female that, and I get what you're saying about, you know, the hair cut color and body type is probably the same as what we normally see as Maggie Sawyer and what we, we are being shown by Capullo with Gary Powers. But I really hope that she wasn't drawn like that for that specific reason, because she doesn't look like Maggie Sawyer. So that was my one complaint. I'll leave it at that. Uh, I actually, like I said, pleasantly surprised by this. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't know how long this is going to last. I feel like this was setting it up just as the divergence was setting it up. And, you know, maybe it will be, you know, two, you know, two quick issues. And he really is going to be telling short story arcs. I don't feel like, I think it would be way too quick if, if, uh, Bruce came back by August, Mm -hmm. but who knows? I mean, we'll just have to wait and see as far as that goes, but for the first issue, I mean, like, they they did a plenty of setup. They, you know, gave it plenty of different explanation about certain things. But at the same time, we had Jim Gordon defeating a villain in one issue. So, I mean, like, they they did a decent job in this issue. Four out of five batterings. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to give it four out of five as well. Sounds right. I actually really, really Ooh. enjoyed it. And I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5. All right. And over on the website, Corbin gave it 4 out of 5 batterings. So that's going to give Batman number 41 a total of 4 out of 5 batterings. All right. So let's move into our next book, Detective Comics number 41. Detective Comics number 41, uh, written by Francis Manipool and Brian Buccioletto, art by Fernando Blanco. Uh, reunion part one of four. So the issue starts off with uh, a couple of different things. The, the issue jumps back and forth throughout time, but we see on one side of the city, we see the, uh, new Batman as, or Jim Gordon as Batman fighting some crook. And we see on the other side, Harvey Bullock getting lucky with some chick. Uh, we then, the scenes cut back and forth between the two, uh, interchanging between Gordon talking about how, you know, he was hesitant about this, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, on the other side of town, we see an explosion because the thief that Gordon is dealing with puts some sort of explosive device on him. Harvey gets up and it's revealed that it's actually Nancy Yip, his former partner who he's been getting lucky with. And, uh, he says he needs to go, uh, find out exactly what happened with the explosion. Cut to three weeks ago where we see Maggie Sawyer, uh, talking to Bullock and says, listen, you've been searching for Batman, but Batman's dead. And, uh, we want you to join the task, the Batman task force, um, because that that's the best place. And he says, no, I want more time. I'm convinced that Batman's not dead. I, I can find him if you just give me more time. Um, she says, listen, you know, you can either go back into the rotation or join the Batman f- force, but or the task force, but you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to look for Batman anymore. Uh, he questions when Jim is coming back and she says, I don't know if he is. And he says, well, then just put me back in the rotation. We cut to two weeks ago. Maggie Sawyer and Jim Gordon are at the, a circus that is being set up. They're evaluating the security. When uh, they're talking back and forth, Maggie's asking Jim if he's decided whether or not he's going to uh, become the Batman in the suit. He says, I, I haven't decided yet, but uh, I don't know. I think someone from the uh, Batman task force might be a better fit. Um, after talking about how they're at the circus evaluating because all of the uh, rich 
population of Gotham will end up being there. They'll, they, they say that they'll be able to test it out the, the night before with a charity ball that's, ha- or a charity event that's happening for the firefighters. Then one week ago, we see, uh, Bullock and Yip at a bar, cop bar, and it turns out there's some bikers that show up. Uh, Bullock starts saying, uh, you know, mouthing off to the bikers and they all want to fight. So that's what happens. Uh, Bullock tells, Yep, to get involved into the fight. She says, why would I want to get involved in it? She says, and Bullock says, well, the uh, main reason is because, see that guy over here? He's on the review board, so maybe you could get, uh, you could save him and he'll help, you know, he'll reinstate you. Uh, just as a biker is about to bash Bullock over the head, out of nowhere comes Renee Montoya. Yeah. Renee Montoya, who has been missing for five years because it turns out she was she was sent over to Bloodhaven, and uh, now she's back in Gotham, um, eating tacos on a bench with Harvey, and they're both getting salsa all over their shirts for some reason. Uh, or, oh, I thought that was uh, blood. That's from the blood. Party. It is blood. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's blood. I don't know why. I, said that. I was thinking like, wow, they're eating messy tacos. Anyway, she's back in town. She's explaining why she's back in town, and she says. Uh, the reason I'm back is because I was asked to join the Batman Task Force. You should join too. And he says, um, I, I, I don't want to join. I don't think, I don't want to be part of the cleanup crew for this new Batman. Nancy Yip excuses herself, says she's going to go catch a cab, go downtown. Um, Harvey and Renee continue to talk about it. And, uh, after he basically says, we're cops. He's a mass vigilante. I don't need any more reason. And, uh, she says, well, if you, if you join us, I could probably get, uh, your, your girlfriend, Yip, reinstated. And he goes, you can't do that, can you? Um, then we see to the current time, there's been some sort of explosion and, uh, the, the Batman task force is in a vehicle driving towards it. They get out. They start basically being the cleanup crew when they notice that the explosion that went off from the beginning of the book did not do any damage. But instead, there's uh, a couple of uh, other thief thugs that are, uh, are watching on, and they start shooting off bullets towards the uh, Robo Bats. When uh, Bullet goes to the roof, uh, is able to, is is able to try to stop these guys, but instead, a rocket launcher shoots Gordon, and he launches off the building into another building. Bullock says no, and we cut back to a week ago when uh, Montoya says, uh, I have uh, high friends in high places who might be able to reinstate her. And he goes, well, who's that? He goes, Jim Gordon. Uh, so it's revealed to Bullock that Jim Gordon is probably going to be the bat in the bat suit. And he says, fine, I'll babysit bat robot, but one more condition. The real Batman is still out there, and I want you to help me find him. Next up, Batman Revealed. Alright, so Detective Comics number 41, a couple of different things. Uh, the first thing I, I guess I have a slight problem with that I wanted to bring up was the fact that the timeline of this doesn't make as much sense yes. with what we've seen with Batman number 41. This book jumps around a lot, and I don't, I, and, and I, I don't know if it's just because of that's the way the story was, or if there was changes that were made or what, but this, this jumps around a whole lot. We see in Batman number 41, we see Gordon talking to Bullock and asking his opinion, and here we have Bullock basically saying he doesn't want to be involved with anything having to do with this Batman because of that, but we saw in a different book telling the same timeline story that that's not the case. So 
Thoughts on the confusion of the timeline, because the biggest problem I feel with this was the fact that both of these books released on the exact same day. Leading, you know, if you read one and then you read the other, you were immediately thinking to yourself, that doesn't match up. So thoughts on the timeline. Well, I read them back to back, probably like all three of us did, right? Mm-hmm. Or very close to. Um, I read Batman 41 once, cause, and then I read Detective Comics, uh, literally back to back. So you do have this disparaging timeline here. Um, listen, I'm the first one who said stuff like continuity is dead and we all need to get over it. <laughs> you know, but like, it's one thing to contradict something that happened 20 years ago. It's another thing to contradict something that happens the same day the comic comes out. I think this is just oversight, right? I think this is just a mistake. Um, there, there's no, cause that, that's the only way that this can be looked at. I think they just made an honest mistake. Maybe you, I'm trying to think if you could line it up so you could have it where he talks to Bullock on the rooftop after, after, yeah, yeah. after, after he gets Renee told Montoya. Yeah. I mean, is that the only way you can make it work? Right. You, it, yeah. I mean, th- that's pretty much the only way. I mean, but the only glaring issue then is that next up Batman revealed as if we're going to see Gordon come out of the the suit and then all of a sudden he knows. I mean, we, I don't know if the problem is the way, if you read it like word for word, the way Montoya says it, she says, I have friends high up. He says, who Jim Gordon. And then they show the shocked face, but it's not, she doesn't actually say that he's the one in the suit or that he's going to be, especially since earlier in the issue, Sawyer and Gordon are talking about whether or not he's actually going to decide to be in the suit. So, I mean, like, I don't, there's a, there's a disconnect even within the book. It's in this single issue itself because we don't know whether or not we're even supposed to know who's in the suit. Like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's odd because if you didn't have the divergence number one, you released this issue the first week like it used to be. Yep. And then you got Batman 41 coming out the next week. It probably would have made sense to a, a better degree than yes. it does now. I will say this though, if you're, if you're looking through Detective 41, when, uh, Robobats gets shot with that, I don't know, bazooka or whatever it is, Bullock has an extreme reaction, like it is Gordon in the suit that got shot. Yes. You know, yes. like he, he does have this vitriolic no where he is, he is seriously concerned about, and I just think they've messed up a bit of the timing here. And, and, and you have to be very careful when you're releasing stuff that is this close, this is the same day, you know, yeah. You have to be a little double checking here. Um, so there is some, yeah, there, there is some issue, but I think you can make it work. I think there's still a little bit of hiccuping here. I think it doesn't feel quite right. Uh, and it did, it was something that, that I had flipped back and forth multiple times reading 40, Detective 41 and, and thought, wait a minute, isn't, don't we have, you know, so I think you can make it work, but you're, you're stretching it to do so. Absolutely. Uh, the, the titles themselves with the three weeks, the one week, all that jazz, that didn't bother me as much. Uh, in general, I don't like going back and forth with an issue. I like it to be more linear. Um, it's just sometimes so jarring. Uh, this yes, one. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think Batman, I think that issue we just did, I, I was fine. I was tracking really well. This one, not as much. My problem with like continuity wise that was, just the whole representation of Bullock here, not knowing that Jim was in the bat suit. Whereas because just like Ed, I read this right after Batman because he was, he was in all these conversations with Jim's Jim telling him they want me in the bat suit and like talking to him. Wouldn't he put two and two together and realize that Jim's not here 
Maggie's pretty tight. Well, he's probably in the bat suit. But this is like all those rooftop conversations with Jim never happened in Batman 40. And that was the problem that I had. Yeah. And, and that's the biggest thing. I mean, the, and it's odd because you don't really see stuff like this happen that often when you have two main books within the Batman universe contradicting themselves because most of the time they're either telling their own story where it doesn't need to worry. You don't really need to worry about it. Like, telling a story about one villain Batman's dealing with and the other book he's dealing with a completely different villain, you don't really have to worry about it. I mean, like, you could sit there and say to yourself, well, how could he be fighting the Clayface in Detective Comics while he's fighting Penguin in Batman? It doesn't make any sense. But it's two different books, so it, you don't they don't have to be happening at the exact same time. This, however, is meant to be happening at the exact same time, and that's a huge problem. And I feel like editorial dropped the ball on this because... They had to know when these books were going to be released. And even if Detective Comics, for whatever reason, because it was a week one book and now it's week two, even if you had, even if you had the, the first book, Detective Comics released, the, what you saw in Divergence, which yes, could have been done after the fact. I mean, that's arguable whether or not they decided to do that before or after they already planned this out. Before that happened, you know, I don't know. It just, it just comes across as it wasn't planned out very well. Um, and editorial, I mean, I might, Mark Doyle is looking at both of these books. How does he not see the glaring issues? That's just me, but who knows? Um, my next point is the, I didn't mention it during my synopsis, but the very end, we see Nancy Yip, who we, you know, we have to mention Bullock went from a cat-loving guy who lived by himself to now he's sleeping with Nancy Yip. But uh, she gets a phone call from somebody at the very end that says, blah, 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 uh, you, you, you've got to kill them all. Um, the weird part about that was that that phone call took place before it appears, at least, that she is in the car with Bullock and Montoya in the vehicle that's heading to the you know, to the area where they were responding to the Batman explosion thing that happened. I felt like that was her who's, you know, alongside them. I don't know for a fact because they don't refer to her by name, but I feel like that is her. So the fact that, one, she's reinstated back to the GCPD and then she's automatically thrown into Batman Task Force is really odd if that's the case. But then the glaring thing is that phone call she gets where they say, kill them all. Who are the, who is she supposed to be killing? If she she's supposed to be getting into the the Batman task force, I I don't know who's the phone call coming from. I mean, there's a ton of questions presented with just those few panels. So thoughts on you know those final panels? Was she the person who's part of the? Is she part of the task force? Who was on the phone call? I mean, there's a gazillion questions. Let's talk about that. I think that. Montoya kind of makes the thing that says she can get Yip reinstated and put on the team. You know, I think that that's Montoya is trying to make the promise that she's going to be on the team. I don't know if she is yet. And then the, the conversation you're starting about is, which is, do you have the seating chart? Good. Kill them. Kill them all. I have no idea what the seating chart's about. That seems rather vague, but, um, I don't know who's giving her the directive, but I think that unfortunately what we're going to see here is her double cross Bullock, which is kind of sad because I wanted Bullock to have a, you know, girlfriend, a little, maybe a little happily ever after for Harvey, you know? Um, but that could be my only thought. I don't really have any idea specifically who it could be, but I think if we go back and this is the problem with these big two month breaks. I think if you go back and look at the last couple issues of the anarchy storyline, that there is some duplicitous nature to you. It's not as spelled out as it is here, 
but we do kind of get the feeling that she's, you know, not always up front with everything. So I'm assuming that she's working for some agency or some person that wants to kill uh, Harvey. I, I don't, I don't know why, but it, it seems to me this is probably more mob related. I don't think that's probably like a Riddler behind it all. Maybe a black mask or uh, even a Falcone or, or something like that. But I think it's going to be someone who's mob related for some, whatever reason needs to bump off Harvey, but I don't really have a, clear idea of who, but I think it is fairly certain that Yip is not his loving girlfriend. Well, I think the biggest problem with the reason we don't know who is because if, if you stick to just Manpool and Buccioletto's stories, there's a couple of different characters that come to mind that that could be involved. I mean, Anarchy could be involved, Mad Hatter, there's uh, the whatever that ga- that biker gang that was involved, you know, from their very first story, there's a bunch of different characters. But then now that they're inter, you know, they're interacting with the stuff that's happening in Batman, there's that, that opens basically anything. And that's the biggest problem of why we have no idea what is going on or who she's talking to. I saw some people online hypothesize that she was talking to Gary Powers. And I was like, how does that make any sense? Oh, yeah, they don't, I don't. Uh, yeah, when I think seating chart, I, I certainly think wedding or some sort of banquet or mm. I, I don't know if there's going to be some sort of party, um, honoring somebody with an award. Perhaps it, it's got something to do with this inauguration of Batman and maybe there's going to be a, a Wayne Powers thing and then, you know, you have all the uniforms with them. Who knows? Uh, maybe it's the task force. I feel like it's not, specifically going at Bullock, whatever she's up to. But um, I, I think she's using him, obviously, to get in there, which is super sad. First of all, did you guys know that it was Bullock in the first, like, right away from the silhouettes? Okay, because I didn't, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? But, yeah, it's nice because I don't know if we've ever seen him like that. So I was like, oh, isn't that nice? And then this. Of course, you you give him this, this evil person. Um I was thinking about somebody, and then I forgot who. Oh, 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 Calendar Man. We haven't seen him in a while, and we know that he popped up, and wasn't it an annual? Because yep. he was abusive. Yeah. I, d- I don't know. But, uh, it seems like he would do something on a special date, though, and we haven't seen him in a while. But it's it's a little sad that here she is being evil. And I also, I mean, she's somewhat in earshot of uh Oh, well, I guess they can't hear the other side of the conversation, but I, I do wonder why. That's pretty daring right there to take that call and talk about that right in front of them, but I guess they're they're preoccupied. I don't know who she's working for. I'll throw out their calendar man just to mix it up, but uh, I'm. it's just unfortunate that she and, and Bullock are in a sad relationship that doesn't really exist. Okay, so then the only other thing that I, I wanted to just talk about was uh, the... The, the only, the whole point of this issue is basically it's coming across as everybody wants Harvey to get on this squad, mm-hmm. but nobody's willing to tell him that Jim is, uh, is the one in the suit or that Jim could be the one in the suit. You know, nobody's willing to tell him that, but they all want him to be on this task force. But his thing is he doesn't want to be on the task force because he's convinced that the real Batman is still alive. Outside of, well, I mean, the interactions between Batman and Bullock in Detective Comics during Manipul and Buccioletto's run is, I mean, there's a lot of them interacting with each other. How do you feel about Bullock being convinced that Batman's still alive and wanting to continue to search for him, even though everybody else believes that he's dead? I would think maybe that there is some reason why he thinks he's still alive that we haven't been presented with here. I mean, I guess there's the old gut feeling thing, but I, I mean... 
since we got a, and again, we, we, this is tough to answer because we just had the, the Bruce Wayne sitting on a park bench thing, right? So if this was the, ah, I'm trying to try to say this right. So if this was the first thing we'd presented with was this had, had become like Harvey's quest to find Bruce Batman, to find Batman. Um, and we did, we weren't sure if Bruce was dead or not and we hadn't already got the hint in Batman 41. I think that this could be an engaging, interesting storyline. Like if it, think about that. If, if Batman died, quote unquote died, and you, I can't, I'm doing air quotes, but no one can see me. Um, if, 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 sorry, if Batman died and it was Harvey's quest over four or five issues, six issues, I don't care how long it is, but it was Harvey's quest to find him and that, that, um, that was Bruce Wayne to come back as Harvey finding him. I think it'd be such a different case than having a Robin bring him back or Bruce coming back or, I mean, Harvey Bullock bringing Batman back with their history, just what we've seen in, in since the new 52 reboot would be a very interesting story. But unfortunately, I think it loses its kind of smack you in the teeth moment because we just saw Bruce Wayne in 41. And that's why I think having Batman and Detective Comics come out the same week, it doesn't work. And I think this is another issue why this doesn't work right here. But I think it's a great idea that was overshadowed by what we just saw in 41. Yeah, and, and, you know, the reason why it doesn't work, I think, also is because I feel like from Batman 40, Bulk should know that Jim is the new Batman, um, you know, despite being directly told or not, given all those rooftop conversations. And that's what makes it unfortunate for this particular issue, because I feel like with this number 41, I think we've really stepped over to – uh a new format where it really is ground level, um, street, street kind of punks. They're not big, big names or anything. And it's focusing on Bullock and, you know, now I think Montoya, which is going to be great. And just all those, those cops. And, and I think they're not going to be overshadowed by Batman. Whereas previously in the Manipool Buccellato run, it was very much almost a partnership, even though they didn't want it. But now with that Bruce Wayne gone, I feel like now we're going to focus Detective Comics. We're going to focus on the GCPD. And yeah, Batman's going to pop up, but he's not going to be a huge player. And so I think it's a great push. I really like that. And this is the time to do it right here. And it would have been great to see how Bullock is interacting with this new Batman or how he is getting along or not getting along. But instead they put him in this area of lack of knowledge. And, and, and that's unfortunate because I feel like if we started off with him knowing that it's Jim Gordon, but people not telling him, uh, then we could have seen a different a different reaction and stuff. But I'll keep my my answer short. I mean, honestly, the the thing for me when it comes to Bullock is, I I, I appreciate the fact that the writers are at least sticking to, you know, their characterization of Bullock, where he's grown to accept Batman, but now there's a new Batman and he doesn't want to accept this new Batman, and I and I appreciate that, but at the same time, like. I don't know how, like, I don't, I don't feel like this is the book that is going to figure out that Bruce Wayne is still alive. I just, as much as I'd love to believe that's possible, I just don't see it happening. So I feel like, where, where are we going with the, that point if that's what they're going to do? So, that being said, Detective Comics number 41, I'm going to give this three out of five bat ranks. I'm going to give this four out of five because this felt like Gotham Central to me all over again and I liked it. Yep. Yeah, I also like the the grounded feel to it, and despite my problems with uh, the Harvey Bulk thing, uh, I thought it was great, and I'm excited to see Renee Montoya. So I will also give it a four out of five. 
Yeah, and I guess I really didn't mention Renee Montoya. I mean, this is her first real appearance within the New 52, which is now over anyway. But Post-Flashpoint. Yeah, post-Flashpoint, this is the first appearance of Renee Montoya. I did like how they kind of chalked it up to she was transferred. She still existed, but she was transferred to Bloodhaven, and that's where she's been. So it's not as if this is a brand-new character that's never existed. They can kind of just throw her right into the mix. So I appreciate that aspect of it, and it did feel like Gotham Central. Well, it's interesting. Can we talk a little bit about her just because? Um... Yeah, yeah, let's win it. Okay, well, I'm wondering what's going to happen with Maggie Sawyer. So the last time we saw Renee Montoya was basically a picture on a wall in Batwoman as Maggie Sawyer was walking by. We all wondered if she was dead. But we don't see an interaction between her and and Renee, and I'm wondering what's going to happen with those two. That's actually what I'm most interested in, just because of all the stuff going on with Maggie and Batwoman. And, you know, here we go with with Renee being thrown in the mix. It'll definitely be interesting to see if they even... If any of these other books, since Maggie's appeared in both Batman and Detective Comics this month, it'll be interesting to see if the mention of Kate Kane even shows up in some of these other books. Because Batwoman's over. It's done. Yeah. It was canceled. So, I mean, like, we keep seeing Maggie Sawyer. Is there going to be any mention of the stuff that happened at the end of Batwoman with her and her and uh, Maggie Sawyer and, and Kate? So, I mean, that's my thing. I don't know if that's going to be brought up. I mean, I guess with this story, I mean, if, with Renee Montoya, it would make sense for it at some point that it to come up at some point, but I don't know if that's even their intent, and that's one of the things that kind of sucks about some of these series that they cancel, where you have characters that are interacting in other books, because once the series gets canceled, it's almost like everybody just chalks it up to we're not even going to touch that subject, and it's... it's it never happened! Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I don't know if we're going to see Batwoman again in where. I don't know where she even fit in. Um... I don't know. But well, she popped but, up. What was it that we were reading that she popped up randomly? Her and Spoiler fighting hmm. while Batman was away. It was probably Batman Forty. Yeah, maybe. Yep. Yeah, that's right. She was. She wasn't Batman Forty. Oh, um, I like having Maggie back here again. Like I said, this feels with Bullock and Sawyer and Montoya. I mean, and Jim and Gordon is here too. I mean, as as Batman, I don't know. This feels like Gotham Central, and mm-hmm. and I really like that book. So I. I'm I, I, my issues with this comic. I, I like Montoya's character is the fact that it clashes with 41. But if I read this and had never read 41, I wouldn't have any problems with this. If that you know, does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah it does. It like does. 40. This is the comic itself is fine. My issues are how it clashes with Batman 41. Um, but this actual comic, I just think that it's great having Montoya back. Um, and I don't know. I just I really like this because this. This feels like it could be the start of something really, really interesting with a really cool cast of characters that we've wanted to see, like Montoya back. So I think that this could be good. And we get to see Bullock, like, naked. So that's, like, good. Oh, my goodness. That's that's a solid. Really? Really? That's the solid. Yeah, that's solid, yeah. Well, well, I was just going to say that my rating actually, like, my – I have, I actually loved everything that you guys are saying, and I really enjoyed the issue. But I my rating is based off of that – issue between Batman and Detective Comics. I mean, that's that's my issue with it, and that's why i got to give a little rain. I do want to point out, though, it does feel like Gotham Central. I love that Renee Montoya's back. The rating has nothing to do with that part of it. It's just, story-wise, they don't match up, even though they're supposed to match up, because they're, they're all directly related. And that was my issue. So I just want to point that out, that I di- it's not that I didn't like these other characters showing up or them focusing on, you know, the GCPD and the characters at GCPD. It was more about that issue with 
them just not flowing together. And that's my main concern. Do you think we just need to start when, as we continue with these two books each month, do we just need to read them separately as like in a vacuum? And honestly, we might have to, I mean, it just depends. I mean, we'll see what happens next month, but because I feel like detective comics is going to be going on a slower pace than Batman will be. I just feel like that's probably likely. Um, we do know that this is only a four issue story arc in the pages of, of uh, Detective Comics because it said part one of four. So who knows? We'll have to wait and see what happens. All right. So we already gave our ratings over on the website. Uh, Corbin gave it three and a half. So that's going to give Detective Comics number 41 a total of three and a half out of five batarangs. All right. So with that, that's going to bring us over to our TBU spotlight and as I said, we're going to switch things up a little bit. Uh, first off, I'm going to, we, we changed something over on the website. We're no longer reviewing the digital chapters for the digital books. Instead, we're re- reading, we're reviewing the completed printed issue, which comes out once a month rather than every single week that collects all of the digital chapters in one issue. That way there's a little bit more story to talk about. So the only one that released in print form over the past two weeks was Batman Arkham Knight number five, which covers digital chapters 13 through 15. That was reviewed by Ryan and he gave it three and a half out of five. So check that out as far as digital books and then just look forward to Batman 66 also being reviewed in that exact same format. So with the other books that are, I guess, not digital books, but a little bit more closer to continuity than not. First up, we have Batman Superman number 21. Um, so this one was reviewed by Joshua Paul Hawkins, and he gave it four out of five. So some of the highlights of what happened here is, you know, basically this book is also taking into effect everything that's going on in Batman and uh, the Superman titles as well, where Batman is dead. Superman's identity has been revealed to the public. Superman has no powers currently, uh, and Superman decides to go to Gotham to try to understand what's going on. He ends up in the Batcave, talks to Alfred. Alfred tells him he's dead, that Batman's dead, and uh, Clark is basically at a loss. He never saw this coming, so he because he doesn't have his powers, he can't listen for Bruce's heartbeat to find out if he really is dead or if Alfred is just, you know, acting as he is a trained actor. So those are, that's pretty much the, the highlights of what happened in the book. I mean, there's some stuff that happened regarding Lex Luthor and Clark. I'm not going to get into that stuff, but that's the extent of the, you know, the Batman stuff that happened in Batman Superman. I, you know, this was, I like the, um, cause if we're going to play that Batman's dead, which is kind of what we do this month with a lot of these books, right? I think that we need to have the Superman moment. Um, and the moment with Alfred was kind of cool. Superman, I'm not current on all the Superman stuff right now, but he seemed to be very, um, you know, anti, you know, thought that Alfred was lying to him and stuff like that. But, uh, I was a bit lost cause I am not up on the Superman stuff, but I did like the, uh, the part with him and Alfred. All right. Next up, Batman Beyond number one reviewed by Jim. He's, he reviewed, uh, the issue and gave it a total of four out of five batterings. So in this issue, basically, uh, we are, we already knew Tim Drake is the new Batman Beyond. Um, as he is in this future world, he basically starts to come across a bunch of, a bunch of different things. Uh, first thing he comes across is a Joker's gang, uh, at the Wayne Powers complex. And Alfred, which is, as you know, if you've been, if you know anything about Batman Beyond, is not actually Alfred. It's 
like a AI system. Um, he gives, he's explaining different things, the differences between, you know, Tim Drake's old world and Tim Drake's new world in this beyond universe. Um, and he says, he explained, he's explained to them what they do, how they, you know, how they work, things like that. Um, eventually Tim Drake, he goes to look for, you know, he, he goes to talk to a character called Nora Boxer and Matt McGinnis, Matt McGinnis being Terry's brother. Um, he eventually has to explain to Matt that Terry's dead. Um, and then he says that he needs to look for, and then Nora states that he needs to go look for Max Gibson, um, who we know as Terry's friend, who was one of the few people that knew his identity. Um, we then see that Alfred, the AI, s- says that the timeline he originally left, Tim Drake originally left, um, left more widespread damage from Gotham, and Gotham was virtually destroyed, and Terry's presence in the past altered that timeline to to be what we are seeing now. Um, so, the big thing is, Terry went back in the past, Gotham was already destroyed based off the previous storyline, which was the events of what occurred in Future's End, uh, the weekly series, the timeline shifted because of Terry's presence, Terry died, Tim goes back to this different Gotham that's not the exact same as the way Terry left it, and that's the way he goes. I hope that's that that does it somewhat of justice explaining it. It's a little confusing just describing it like this, but I suggest that you check out the review as uh, Jim gave a full synopsis that is a little bit more in-depth than what I'm mentioning. What did you think about this? Did you like this Tim Drake in the future type deal? You know, it, it's okay. I mean, if Tim Drake... If this is the only way Tim Drake gets a book, I mean, I, I guess I'm okay with it. I don't like that that could be the only way that he gets a book. But uh, at the same time, I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, it is basically setting up a different different Batman Beyond universe with Tim Drake as Batman. But not just that, but the fact that things are different. I do like the fact that they're, you know, the that the Alfred AI system is, is kind of there to give knowledge to us who don't know anything about this new universe so i mean like it's not i i wouldn't say by any means that like i i didn't have it it didn't like it wasn't worse than my expectations but it wasn't necessarily better than my expectations it's pretty much what i kind of expected i was actually i I almost felt like there was a missed opportunity um and, and i like tim drake and i'm glad that that people have a book to read him in but when i was reading this i thought and and that one panel happens where Terry flies away and Matt turns to Nora and says that suit should have been mine. I almost wonder like, what would it have been like had Terry's brother taken it and been sort of a, uh, a legacy thing. Um, but I was happy to see Barbara Gordon <laughs> in the end kind of as a, like a freedom fighter. It seems like, so that'll be interesting to see what's, what's this underground situation like. All right. Next up, Batmite number one reviewed by Ryan. He gave it four and a half out of five. Um, I'm not going to get into a whole lot of details because I feel like this is probably the least likely book to deal with a lot of stuff, mostly because it's one a mini series, but also because it's Batmite and Batmite is Batmite, if you know what I mean. Um, but the the idea is that Batmite is in chains and he's being sentenced by an, a group of unknown beings. Um, they state that he crossed the line and his punishment is death. But then all of a sudden we cut back to the present when we witness Batman basically dealing with Batmite and Batman's not very happy about it. But uh, Batmite wants to show him off, show off his new costume. Um, Batman saves the person as and leaves 
Batmite behind. Basically, it turns out he's going to end up trying, he's going to be helping out a bunch of different characters. He believes he already did Batman, so as the cover shows, he's checking Batman off his list. And uh, at the end of the issue, we see the nurse that he's infatuated with. Uh, turns out the un- there's an unconscious Hawkman in one of the rooms, and he decides that's the next person he's going to help out. So that's Batmite. Um, very zany and kooky book. Uh, I'll, I'll just say, like, it's it's very difficult to synopsize because it is so outside the box, and also it doesn't really fall into like normal events like everything else that we normally review. But it is it is a fun book, and uh, that four and a half stars that Ryan gave it, I think, and I probably would have given it four, but nonetheless, uh, I th- it is a fun book, and it's very different. And uh, it's probably more, a lot of people are probably expecting to be dealing with Batman, but it's actually probably going to be more DC Universe than just Batman. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre, but it's fun. Like, it's, it's Harlequin bizarre, which also works. So, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. All right. So next up, Midnighter number one, reviewed by Gary. He gave it four out of five. So Midnighter, this book derives out of... uh, Grayson, um, as he appeared in Grayson, uh, basically the issue kind of sets up the character. I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot that happens in the issue other than just kind of getting us to understand who Midnighter is. If you don't know who Midnighter is, Midnighter is the character who doesn't have an alter ego. He is literally just Midnighter 24 seven. That's who he is. Um, he's got a boyfriend and he goes out dressed as Midnighter. That's just who he is. He's a very, he, he, when he comes across villains or, you know, somebody he's fighting, he gets very, very angry and beats the pulp out of him. That's, that's basically the gist of the character. I mean, this was, I, I would, I didn't really know what to expect from this book. I mean, I didn't really think the character was that interesting during the pages of Grayson or, you know, while reading Grayson, but this actually was, it was, it was different. It was enjoyable. I, you know, is definitely a different character. I mean, they definitely don't have any other character right now headlining his own book about, well, one, they don't have any other character who is a headlining, a book, who's headlining a book who is gay. So that's, that's one plus there. But then the other part of it also is that they don't have a character who's just like always the same type of person. It's not like, you know, with Superman, I guess to a degree, now that his identity has been revealed, he's kind of going to end up being like that character. But Midnighter is this character where he doesn't have like a secret identity. He doesn't have, he doesn't have a care about that. He's just, he's always the same person. Midnighter. Kind of interesting. I mean, and also I didn't have any idea that he actually had some of the powers that he has with like precognition and stuff like that. So it's very interesting didn't really know what to expect from the book because I didn't think the character was worth getting its own book, but it actually was pretty good. You know, it's funny because I read this just because it was a number one, and I'm like, eh, I'll read it. Yeah. It's actually good. I mean, it's really good. Um, there's an opening fight scene that's in like that uh, casino restaurant, whatever, that is really well drawn. And this is, I'm glad they put with with canceling Batwoman. I glad I'm glad they started Midnighter. Um, so you do have a, 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 an issue with it, with a gay character and it headlining it. Um, and it's good. It's interesting. He's, um, he's a rough and tumble type character and I like it. It's good. All right. Next up, Catwoman number 41, reviewed by Gary. He says, uh, he gave the issue three and a half out of five. So basically the gist of what happened in Catwoman is in the pages of Catwoman number 41, um, basically as we left Catwoman number 40, Selena decided that she needed to get back into the Catwoman costume to kind of, push things in the direction that she wants the gang wars to go in. 
not gang wars, but like the way the gangs are being run. Um, in this issue, um, we see that, uh, she is not only in the Kellum costume, but she's also, she's kind of still doing that where she's pushing certain things. One of the members of the Falcone family come to drop off some money that they needed to be there. She ends up stealing the money and then replacing it with sequential numbers so that the police could basically find out what Falcone is up to, and then in turn screw over Roman Sionis slash Black Mask. Um, the other part of it is there is a part in the story where Selina finds out from Ward that Batman is dead. She puts up a strong front, but the way the art strong is really brilliant, where you can tell that she's trying to be really strong, but she's really, really hurt by it at the same time. Um, and then by the end of the issue, she decides that she needs to find out exactly what happened to Batman. So that's basically the the biggest gist of this. Uh, any thoughts on Catwoman getting back into the costume? I liked it. I like this book a lot since the new creative team took over. Um, I like the scenes with you got Penguin and Black Mask and Catwoman, and this feels very much like the Gotham gangster book, and I like it. Yeah, but you wonder how what what is it going to be like to have two Catwomen running around, and how is she going to be able to keep up these two fronts? And I think that's it's an interesting direction to go to because she has this Selena Kyle where she's trying to be this big boss and then she's also moonlighting as Catwoman and I think it's very different from the Selena Kyle moonlighting as Catwoman that we've seen in the past. Uh, it's also interesting that even though we were not given a title on it, some of these books in the, in, in these, uh, in the Bat family, I guess we can say are, it almost reminds me of Death of Robin. What was it? Was it Robin RIP? <laughs> Do you remember? When Damien died, was it Death of Robin or Robin R.I.P.? I just can't remember. Oh, you're talking about the one month. It was event. Requiem. Yes, Requiem. Robin yeah, Requiem. Remember, yeah. and then so dotted throughout is people finding out that he was dead and their reactions. And we've seen this was a good one that we had. And then Superman, Batman. So even though there's no title over it, people are gaining this information, and we're starting we're starting to see uh, how they're dealing it with it. But I actually I loved the scene her going up the uh, the staircase. You could see like her hand being clenched because it's a struggle, and then of course uh, breaking down and her her love helped her out there and comforted her. All right. So then next up, we have Gotham Academy number seven, also reviewed by Gary. He gave it a total of four out of five. So this issue has Damian Wayne in it. Um, and basically, the gist of the entire issue is that Maps has, <laughs> she has a, a, what I believe to be a quill uh, that she writes things on a piece of paper and somehow something, there's a spell that's on the quill that it comes to be. Damien randomly appears in Gotham Academy and there's a boy that she believes that Maps believes that could be part of her, you know, little click group that she's trying to do um, that's, you know, part of the, the club and uh, she, the guy, the boy ends up freaking out. Damien ends up taking the, the boy down you know, r- rather quickly and that like, infa- you know, automatically makes Maps infatuated with him. So, she writes their names on a piece of paper and somehow their hands get stuck together. So they have to go throughout the story working together to basically just figure out why crazy things are happening. And it all comes back to the quill. Um, at the end of the issue, Damien takes the blame for stealing the quill from headmaster Hamner's office and he gets expelled. So I'm not sure if Damien was only supposed to be in this one issue, but He's been expelled, so we'll see what happens. 
But, I mean, there wasn't a lot that happened. It was a very simple story. I mean, the biggest downfall of the story, in my opinion, was that Olive really wasn't present. They kind of hinted at the fact that she's not going to be around for a while. But, uh, I mean, that that's basically the extent of what happened. I mean, there's not a lot to it, but it wasn't a bad story. I mean, I might make it seem like when I'm giving the synopsis that there really wasn't a lot that happened, because there wasn't. But it was actually like another... You know, fun story. I, did, I actually didn't read it just because I saw like it was there, but I'm I'm sort of waiting until later on. I like to read it with Batgirl. But just from your synopsis, it sounds hilarious, and I'm super excited for it. So is Damien coming back, or was he just in the one issue? I, I, I get – well, I don't know. I mean, I thought the whole thing was that he was going to be in the title going forward. But, I mean, at the same time, we've got Robin, son of Batman, where he's traversing across the world with his new – pet gargoyle goliath whatever so i mean like the thing is it please tell know, his I, name's not I, actually goliath no his name is oh goliath. no damien goliath well it just reminds me goliath wasn't that the name of the head gargoyle on the disney channel the greg weissman yes. yeah yes it was yeah yes it was um but that being said um the the big thing is i feel as if maybe the intent was he was just supposed to be a guest star this one issue and because of the new direction of the books and the fact that literally the cover of Gotham Academy has meet Gotham Academy's Damian Wayne as if he's you know a new member but then he gets expelled by the end of the book so i don't know if he's supposed to be an ongoing character i mean i guess if you think about it, he is Damian Wayne after all. He's got money. So most schools, if you got money, you can throw money at the school and they don't actually expel you. But we'll have to see what happens when it comes to the next month's issue. But that's Gotham Academy. Then next up, we've got Red Hood Arsenal number one, reviewed by Joshua Paul. He gave it four and a half out of five batterings. Um, it's kind of setting up. I mean, for the most part, the, the biggest thing is that it's, very similar to the way it was before with Red Hood and the Outlaws, only without Starfire. Um, they're setting things up in the direction of not really changing a whole lot of their, their, you know, them interacting with each other. They just don't have to deal with Starfire. The issue is basically a mission where they're trying to keep a senator who's supposed to be taking some sort of, or dealing with some sort of deal regarding a safe return of a CIA agent. Um, Red Hood, Jason Todd ends up disguising himself as the senator so that uh, they can root out the person who's trying to kill the senator. They take the person out, and that's about it. That really is just about it. I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy this that much. And I liked Red Hood and the Outlaws, but this one just, this kind of, you know, we know that they're going to be friends by the end of the issue thing. I don't know. This one wasn't great for me. That's all. It just, it didn't really feel like this deserved an issue number one. Other than the fact that Starfire is not in it and they only have two of them instead of three, so it couldn't be outlaws. It would have been just outlaw. But it didn't feel like it deserved a number one. The fact that pretty much it's the exact same thing that we were getting before, only the title change and it's got a number one, doesn't really feel like it did a lot of justice for the new direction that they supposedly were trying with a lot of the other books. But Next up, Harley Quinn, reviewed by Gary. He gave it... Three and a half out of five batterings. Um, the gist of what happened here is we were <laughs> introduced to a ton of members of the new Harley gang. Um, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of details because, again, this is like Batmite. It's very zany and off the wall. Um, the, the the one thing, the one the, there's a character who's introduced. His name is Captain Strong. He eats some 
glowing seaweed and he gets some sort of unnatural powers. Popeye? Yep, that pretty much. I, that's exactly the way I would have described the character without actually saying it's Popeye for copyright infringement by DC. But um, this char- supposedly I, I read an interview with uh, from Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, and they did say that Captain Strong has existed before. He existed as a Superman villain, I believe, in the 60s. And that's where they got the character from. So it's not as if they're just ripping off Popeye. Just wanted to point that out for anybody who thought that that's what they were actually doing. But okay. it pretty much is a ripoff of Popeye. I'm sure it was a ripoff of Popeye when they invented Captain Strong back in the day. But anyway, we're introduced to a number of the members of the, the, uh, the Harley gang, the new Harley gang. There's a gazillion of them and they all have names that derive from Harley Quinn. So some of them, one of them is Harvey Quinn. One of them is called Harlem Quinn. Um, there's, 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 uh, the Jewish woman is called Hana Quinn. That's right. The Indian woman is called Bali Quinn. Um, in some ways, it's kind of difficult to understand exactly how all of these characters will make their mark on the title unless they're not planning on having them around for that long because it's very difficult to figure out who's who because there is so many of them. Um, but that being said, uh, that that's basically the gist of everything that happened in Harley Quinn. So check it out. The one thing that I do have to point out, I noticed, you know, as we've talked about Harley Quinn sales have been phenomenal for this book, kind of crazy phenomenal as far as, you know, the fact that it is a book that is completely off the wall, but the sales on it are insanely high for compared to a lot of the other DC books. And Harley Quinn as a character is just, is, 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 is completely all over the place right now with merchandise and things like that. But the one thing I have to point out just because is somehow this issue number 17, suddenly the cover price jumped from $2.99 up to $3.99, which I feel as if DC is just trying to cash in on that popularity. I wonder if it will affect the, the sales of the book. I will be curious to look at next month's sales, right? Because this, this price increase kind of just slipped in there. I mean, yeah, it did. It definitely did. And I don't know if it's a page count difference. I couldn't find the page count in time before we recorded this to figure, to figure out whether or not that was the case. But I happened to notice the price change and I thought, huh, that's odd. Some of the books that they've done that for, like, uh, you know, Batman and Detective Comics, where they, some of them have been $3.99 for a while. Some of them, they just moved up because they're, you know, in the top 25 of the books sold for the month. Harley Quinn, just kind of sneaked on by there, and nobody really said anything about it, so I figured I would. And I, I would say, I know I already missed this technically, but I want to throw it out there where you're talking about Harley Quinn. The ba- I don't really read Batman 66 religiously or anything. I catch up on it kind of in oh, chunks. Yeah. But the Batman 66 had Harley Quinn in it this month. It was kind of, kind of cool to see. Yeah, I think we will, the review for that would be up in the next two weeks for the print copy because it was just the digital right. copy or digital chapter that just released this past week that she was introduced, but that's also something that will be reviewed once it's in print form later on. All right. So next up new suicide squad, number nine, uh, reviewed by Jim. He gave the issue three out of five. Um, basically there's not a whole lot that happens here. Uh, dead shots, black Manta and captain boomerang kind of go on their own little mission. Black Manta is kind of pleased by the fact that they're going to be, uh, they're planning things out a little bit better instead of just heading in, uh, you know, hitting the ground running when it comes to their missions. Um, so 
basically there's a splinter group of the League of Assassins that's broken off from the, the, the normal league. They believe that the normal league has grown soft and they want to take over the world using a ton of force and they're, and, and they're doing things straight in broad daylight and basically Black Manta, Captain Boomerang and Deadshot are set to infiltrate the splinter cell uh, using a character called the Tomorrow Thief, who's already been part of the group for a while. He's a villain that's that's been around previously, but not recently. Um, so they are they, they basically are set to infiltrate it. Um, as in the process of trying to infiltrate it, they are led to believe they're 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 basically their their loyalty is tested by leading them out to the desert, being presented with three heroes that have been frozen with. Uh, Freeze weapons. We don't know who the heroes are or if they actually are heroes, but uh, they all grab the bats and they smash the heroes, leaving us to believe that they've been accepted into the league. So that's the gist of New Suicide Squad number nine. Um, there's just to point out there there is a couple of new characters that are supposed to be being introduced um, starting this month, including Talon is supposed to be part of the not Talon. Not the Talon oh. from the Talon book, oh. Calvin Rose. It's supposed to be the William Cobb Talon. Gotcha. Uh, he's supposed to be part of the book, as well as, obviously, Harley Quinn um, from the Batman universe. So that's part of the reason we're focusing on now. How does someone control a Talon, though? Because if you put something in them and blow them up, wouldn't they just, like, regenerate afterwards? Or or die, and they might actually want to be Oh, dead. maybe. Fair enough. I don't know. It wasn't, re- wasn't really explained. I mean, t- he appeared in the book, but it wasn't really explained. All right, so then uh, Justice League uh, number 41. Ed, you want to talk about Justice League? Yeah, Justice League number 41. This is basically the start, volume one of, of Dark Side War. Um, so you read the prologue last month, and I know there was some some parts in, in Divergent in it, but this is the beginning of it, which features... Um, what I believe is Bruce Wayne Batman, unless you think I'm wrong on that, Dustin, but um, that looks to be... No, it definitely is. It definitely is. It's been confirmed that that is Bruce Wayne Batman. So then I have to ask, has there been any other confirmation on when this is supposed to happen time frame wise or... Uh, no. If you ask anybody who's involved with either one of these stories, they say it doesn't matter because of this new no-continuity rule. Really? So that's the thing. Uh, Snyder, just last night, I, when he was doing his little impromptu Q&A on Twitter, somebody asked... Is there going to be any sort of repercussions as to, you know, Bruce Wayne appearing in Justice League but not being in Batman? Is there going to, are we going to see Justice League, you know, focus on Batman's death? Uh, I believe at some point Jeff John said we might see something like that, but it's not going to be for an extended amount of time. And if the story isn't going to last that long, we might not ever see it because I imagine that these two stories are probably going to run about the same length in time. And if that's the case, we might never see this reaction from the Justice League that Bruce Wayne is dead because they'll just go right back to Bruce Wayne being Batman. Um, but it, well, Snyder said, if you like both stories, just like the stories individually and don't worry about what's happening in the other ones. That's what he said. So what we have going on in this book besides that is this is uh, the Mr. Miracle issue, basically, in a way. Yeah. Um, really focus on Mr. Miracle, the character who escapes from, you know, Apocalypse. Um it's a good start to Dark Side War. It was not the direction I thought it was going to go in. Um, 
And I, I, I've always liked Mr. Miracle. He's again, he's a character that would be great with a six issue miniseries, but can't really have his own thing. Um, but this is good. I, I, I really like this. And if you're from the Green Lantern universe, I'll throw this in there real fast. This is also another big time continuity screw up because right now Hal Jordan doesn't even have a power ring anymore. Uh, he's been thrown out of the corpse and has a power gauntlet. I know not a power ring, but it's power glove. Um, so there is a lot of this doesn't seem to make sense in continuity. But if you take that out of it, uh, I really like this a lot. I, I like Mr. Miracle, and I, I like where we're going. And this actually looks like this could be a very interesting mega event. Yeah, and I forgot to say, Josh Paul reviewed it over on the website and gave it four and a half out of five betterings. So that will bring us to our last book, Earth 2 Society Number 1, also reviewed by Josh Paul. And he gave the first issue a total of four out of five betterings. So basically... A lot of what happens in this first issue is kind of dealing with some of the stuff that happened in Convergence, dealing with some of the stuff that happened in Earth 2 World's End, kind of leading us to understand how we got to this point. Dick Grayson is actually the one who's narrating the events of what actually happened to the original Earth 2. If you hadn't, if you didn't read Convergence, you didn't read Earth 2 World's End, the basic gist of what happened was Earth 2 was destroyed by Darkseid. Everybody from the Earth 2 world was put onto ships during Convergence. They were just kind of like floating in space, essentially. And at the end of Convergence, they were all of the people from Earth 2. There was a blood moon that was put in the exact place in the universe where Earth 2 used to be. And now they are all inhabiting the blood moon, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's basically the gist of what happened. But now Dick Grayson... Um, if you were reading Earth 2 or Earth 2 World's End or parts of Convergence, you realize, you now know that Dick Grayson took on the role of Batman. Um, there's a lot of other characters that are appearing, uh, the, it's a, a lot of people assumed that was go- what was going to happen with this Earth 2 world, or all these people was that they were going to get marooned on Earth Prime, you know, and they were going to become the new just, Justice Society, essentially. But that's not the case. It's still its own little world. They're not really dealing with anything else that's happening. Um, the uh, There's a ship that crashes, and Huntress and Mr. Terrific are searching for survivors. This is taking place back a little bit in time. Um, there's Batman is fighting a, a gang. Terry Salone is the person that everybody's trying to find because he supposedly can help with everything. So... That's basically the gist. You can read more in the review. Um, I'm not going to get into too much details about some of the stuff that happens in some of the DC-specific books, but Earth 2 Society, we're also reviewing on the website, so be sure to check that out as well. And with that, that is actually all of our books for the Batman Universe Spotlight. So that would normally take us to listener Q&As. I, I, we don't have any listener Q&As, but that's because, of course, Convergence kind of, I think... uh even, I think, sales numbers for DC went down. Download numbers for the TBU comic cast went down. I think the entire Convergence thing just made everything go down. So hopefully you're all back with us. <laughs> that being said, I start needing, to, I need to start seeing some listener feedback. So hopefully now that we're back and we are on to some of these books, we start seeing some more feedback so we can discuss that next time. So one of the things I kind of talked about was earlier was that, uh, the books that we're going to be covering is specifically Batman Detective Comics. We will not be covering any other major books um, as in-depth reviews like we did with Batman Detective Comics. So next episode, we'll still cover comic news. We'll still do our Batman Universe Spotlight. 
where we talk about all the other books like I just did and listener feedback, but that'll also introduce, uh, we'll bring, well, not introduce, but bring back a segment we've done in the past, which is discussion, where we'll talk about some sort of topic related to current events in the comic world and, and the continuity that we're being presented in the issues. We'll discuss something. So if you've got a suggestion for something that you want us to discuss, send it in on the comments section on the website and we'll be sure to take that into consideration when coming up with our discussion point for the next episode. So with that, that is everything for this episode. I want to remind everybody to head over to the website for all the latest news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Also be sure to check us out, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as join our Facebook group for all the latest news and videos from the Batman universe. Also be sure to Give us reviews on iTunes. Those always greatly appreciate it. Uh, be sure to send us your feedback on the in the comments section on the website. And I'm going to bring this up yet again. Uh, we are still looking for staff for the website. Uh, currently, I'm looking for one or two more people to review comics. I'm also looking for people to take over certain sections of the news items of the website. If you're interested in reporting movie news, specifically with Suicide Squad and Batman vs. Superman coming up very shortly, that's a huge area of the website that uh, needs a little bit of attention. So if you have any interest in covering that, also if you have any interest covering uh, TV news, we have a lot of DC TV shows coming out. Um, we don't obviously focus on every single one of them, but we will be looking for someone to review Gotham come uh, September when Gotham comes back. Uh, we'll be looking for someone for that. So if you're interested in the TV aspect of the Batman universe, be sure to let us know. Also, uh, Batman Arkham Knight is coming out. Uh, as you're listening to this, it's only about a week away. So, mm -hmm. and, so basically, there won't be a whole lot of news related to video games for the foreseeable future. So all, the only other area of the website that uh, we are looking for somebody is merchandise. Um, but there's a ton of merchandise, but also there's a whole other area, which I didn't even think about, which is the general, which is, <laughs> you're probably trying to think to yourself, what in the heck is general news? But it's the crazy stuff that just is Batman related. There's so much stuff out there that is not necessarily merchandise, movies, TV, merchandise, or video games, but it's just like Batman affecting the world. If you are interested in that, that's the area of the website that, uh, we'd be interested in having you on board. So if you have any interest at all in joining the Batman universe, send me an email, tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net, and we'll try to figure out what the best place for you is. Um, we still have a couple of different books to cover, but we might be taking some books away from some of the people who are currently reviewing to free up some of the load. But there's tons of different positions open, and we always appreciate newcomers. So with that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. And this, and this is Sir. This is Ed. Very robotic. I mean it. He's like Alfred from Battle oh, of the yeah. Let's go. I'm the AI. And this has been the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, and we'll see you guys in two weeks. Yeah.